As we've been going through the book of Leviticus, we've, we've hit Leviticus 18, which is a hugely controversial chapter in the book. I, I would argue it's probably the most controversial chapter in the entire book, if not the entire Bible. It's, just, it's very controversial, especially in the day that we live in today. Uh, because what Leviticus 18 is all about, it's, it's all about sexual regulations. Um, and by the way, throughout the, the law, what we call the law, which is Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, the first five books of the Bible, throughout the law there are different sections that deal with sexuality, but they're, they're like more brief, meaning the regulations are more brief. They'll give one here, one there, and we'll be going to those other sections. But what Leviticus 18 does is it gives us kind of like a, a framework for what sexuality is supposed to look like in God's community. And these, um, these guidelines still apply to us as believers today um, in, in the Messiah. So um, before we get into, so last week I kind of did just kind of like an overview of what Leviticus 18 is all about. So you guys had a general idea. Uh, but I thought what was really cool was after we ended, after we stopped recording, you guys started asking questions, and those questions were really cool. And um, one of the things I wanted to talk about, just begin the discussion with, uh, was one of the last questions that was asked, uh, where we were talking about what is right or proper sexuality. So if you go through Leviticus 18, it, it has a lot of what not to do. So it says, don't do this, don't do that. That's what Leviticus 18 is about. It's prohibitions. For your sexuality. But before we could get into prohibitions, you really do got to ask the question of like, what is correct sexuality? And then you can understand why these other things are prohibited, right? So, um, Bo, you want to talk about that? Yeah, well, I, I would just like kind of have you guys just think about it, it yourself right now. Like, um, where do you get your views of, you know, sex and sexuality or sensuality from? Um, you know, you know, did your parents talk to you about it? Did they have a sit down with you and like, yo, we're going to talk about <laughs> some sex now? <laughs> or, you know, or, hey, man, I'm going to show you what proper sex is, daughter. You know, this is what it looks like. You know, usually we don't, you don't get that. Um, <clears throat> maybe you have. I don't know. Has anybody here had that? Had any kind of good discussions with their parents? No one, no one's had any kind of good discussion yet. <laughs> Ellie's like, oh, y'all know. Yeah, me yeah. neither, man. <laughs> Just so you know, me neither. Yeah. yeah, my kids have had awesome chats, dude. <laughs> we, we, we get down to the nitty gritty. <laughs> yes, so much where they're like, oh, man, dad, shut up. <laughs> you know, you know um, no, we don't, we don't get, get into it that much, but I'm definitely game. You know, I'm always game for it. Um, but it, it, it is tough. It's tough even for a parent. Um, I think in their minds, like if I rolled up all your parents in here, right, and we just, I had them sit down and I said, yo, what's the proper sex? You know, what is proper sex? They're all going to kind of be like, uh, uh it's going to be kind of a tough question for them too. It's not going to be something that's just easily answered. Yeah, usually in Christian circles, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, when we talk about sexuality, all I've really heard from Christians is what not to do. I don't know if you guys have ever heard anything different, but if I ask someone like, "What's proper sexuality?" they'd probably be like, "Wait till marriage." You know, is that a good guideline? Does that really tell you what to do sexually, like how to treat your sexuality? It tells you what not to do, right? That would be like asking your parents, like, "How do I drive?" And they're like, "Don't speed," right? "Don't cut people off," "Don't run reds." Does that teach you how to drive? No, right? 
See, like when you're in church culture, though, that's all you hear, right? You just hear what not to do. And that's not, that's not good guidelines, right? So I, I, like, I think a cool place that me and Bo like to go, we teach on this a lot, Matthew 19. Um, you know, every, every wedding that I've done, and I'm, all the weddings I've been to that Bo's done, we, all, we always tackle Matthew 19. Because uh, that's a section of scripture where Jesus is asked about marriage. Uh, the specific questions about divorce. And I, I love how he responds. So if you guys have your Bibles, you can flip there. You don't have to. I'm just going to read it to you. It's Matthew 19, verse 1. It says, Now it came to pass when Jesus had finished these sayings that he departed from Galilee and came to the region of Judea beyond Jordan. And a great multitude followed him, and he healed them there. The Pharisees also came to him, testing him, and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? And he answered and said to them, Have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female. So the first thing I want to point out to you guys is when they ask Jesus about sexuality, Jesus goes immediately to have you not read, right? So where did Jesus find out about what is proper sex? Right? The Bible, right? The Word. And that's what he challenges them with. Have you not read? You know, this kind of surprised me when I first started hanging out with Bo because I've been going to church my whole life and I never heard anyone talk about proper sexuality from the scriptures, right? So what it did is it kind of insinuated to me that the Bible didn't have any answers about sexuality. I just kind of thought the Bible had a lot of do's and don'ts, but I didn't think that the Bible actually had guidelines for how to use your sexuality. How would you guys define... um let me give you an easy one. How would you define sex? Okay, okay, intercourse. So is, um, but but would you say that there's sex that's not intercourse? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you say it. You're like, yeah. Okay, so so. But we're, but sex is. But you're saying sex is an action, though. I mean, it's something like. I mean, you know it when you see it, right? <laughs> right. Do you, you guys agree with that? You know it when you see it, right? Okay, so we know sex when we see it. So it's an action between people. Um, Not always. Um, uh, or <laughs> animals or insects, but it's, it's a part of the... It, it, I, I'd hate to use the word reproductive because it's not always just reproductive, um, right? But it's, it's something we would agree that it's an action between people. Um, we're talking about human beings, right. Peter. Um, um, that is um, supposed to be pleasurable, um, but not necessarily either, because there's sexual acts that are not pleasurable that are still considered sexual acts, right? So the reason why I started with an easy one, because as you can see, it's not easy, right? Like we can pull out the dictionary, but even the dictionaries maybe definition of it, we're going to go, oh, that's, so, that's okay, but, you know, there's still more to it, you know. And so if I said, what is sexuality? What is the definition of sexuality? Maybe how one views themselves as a sexual being? Could be something maybe defined as sexuality, how someone perceives themselves, you know, their sexuality. Um, or how someone maybe utilizes their um, sexual ability could maybe be sexuality too. Um, 
So in our culture, it's definitely how one views themselves. I would say that's something that's certainly in our culture, right? How you view yourself, your sexual behaviors, you know, something that's a part of that definition. Um, but then if I ask you, what is sensuality? Like, what would you think about that? Sensuality, being sensual. What do you guys think of that? Is sensuality cool? It's way cool. <laughs> sensuality, I always see it as, it, it's a lot like sexuality, but it's more uh, really integrated with who you are as a person. So it can be the way you dress, or uh, even to the deodorant you wear, or the cologne, or the perfume, or all everything that you do that makes you feel uh, a, as a sexual being. It all relates to you being a sexual being. And it's how you convey your sexuality to another person to be sensual is something that uh, i always see it as um that you're conveying like a sexuality to another like am i sensual with sylvia what does that mean well it doesn't mean i'm having sex with her um but i'm conveying something to her through an attitude um you know a behavior or a way that I'm presenting myself. To me, it would be a real bummer to be in a relationship without any sensuality. And it would be really a bummer to have sex without sensuality. To me, that would be really funny. Even though many people do, don't get me wrong. Millions and millions and millions of people do that. But to me, there's something really fun, you know, with the sensuality part of it all. I mean, pleasure's amazing. I want to have a ton of pleasure. I don't about you guys, but I like pleasure over pain. And... Um, so it's like, hey, man, if we're going to do something, let's do it good. You know what I mean? <laughs> let's, really, let's really get into this, you know? So, but the reason why I just bring up those three things is running light stresses those three aspects of the totality of us as human beings. Sex, sexuality, and sensuality. And, that, and I see that the Bible speaks on all those things, but they're not, they're not simple things. Very complicated you know, issues. And so when we say like, hey, do your par- have your parents talk to you about stuff like this? Now you're probably like, heck no, not even close, you know? And, and, and that's sad because if I said, it, you know, d- does God try to make himself pleasurable looking so that people look at him and go, man, he's awesome. So God is being what? Sensual. Isn't that crazy? See, everything comes from the Bible that I'm, that I'm talking about. The way he presents himself. Taste and see that I am good. Come eat of my fatness. Is there anyone else like me? Come look at me. Come partake, right? You know, everything's like, you know, God's dressing himself up, man. You know, that kind of attitude. It's really, it's really interesting. So it's just nothing simple. Everything's a little complicated, and a little and and so uh, unfortunately for some reason in our world we just we just for people just don't talk about this and i'm not sure why per se but uh, maybe peter's got a better answer to that <laughs> so um if you're if you're here and you're going like wow this, there there's so much to this well yeah there is and we're not gonna get it all done tonight or in a month you know that's why we're on podcast 82, 82. <laughs> that's right Give us another couple of years, we'll get there. Yeah, we'll get there. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe. 
No, but I was just thinking, like, while you were talking, like, yeah. some of the stuff that you're mentioning tonight, like, I remember talking to you for the first time when I was 22 years old, you know, getting <laughs> back from the military, you know, just coming to you, just freaking out because I, you know, struggle with pornography, and I'm like, dude, I don't know what to do, and, and you know, you're just like, your calm approach to it was so, like, awesome to me, because what had happened in my life is, because all I'd heard from my sexuality is, like, don't do this, don't do that, don't do that. Like, I, I kind of was freaked out about my sexuality. You know what I mean? Like, I took it, like, really seriously. And um, there's, a, there's a level where it should be taken seriously. But it was taken seriously to the point where I almost had a framework of mind that excluded fun and pleasure and joy from my sexuality. You guys get that? Where those things just kind of, like, were separated from me. Especially when I incorporated the idea of God. You know? And... What that did is it kind of like, in my mind, it broke down all the metaphors in the Bible because, you know, the Bible uses sexuality as such an intense metaphor for God's love for his people. Intense. Intense metaphor. Yeah. Yeah. Can I just give you some just mind-boggling stuff right now that's just going to blow your brain? Okay. In the Old Testament, there's a word, and it's called seed. Onan spilled his seed on the ground. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? Okay. Seed is used throughout the Bible over and over and over to talk about the offspring and to talk specifically about semen. Specifically. That's what it's used for. And then you get in the New Testament, and you know what? You know what John says? Jesus' seed is in you. And you're like, whoa. And if you study the Bible at all, you're going to go, whoa, that's an interesting concept. You know, why, why is it used? Why is, why is the word for semen in the Old Testament used in the New Testament for Jesus being in you? Yeah. <laughs> right? Why couldn't he said something else? <laughs> why why is it got to be that? You know? And and this and this is just one example. I can go on for a whole session on this, but but you, you see how how it's interesting that the Bible doesn't seem to shy away from this. It doesn't seem to go, "Oh, no, you know, we don't you know, we don't want to talk about this." You know, it seems to, it seems to actually, God seems to like go into it more. He seems to press into it even greater. You know, so as, it's kind of odd, right? So as the church kind of goes, oh, we're going to back away from this topic. God just goes, no, man, I am literally in you. I am literally with you. And I am upon you. What? Adam is in Eve, he is with Eve, and he is upon Eve. And Abraham's with Sarah, and he's in Sarah, and he's upon Sarah, right? These are all relational words that are used throughout the Old Testament to describe people in their intimate behaviors. And I was, while you were saying that, it just, it reminded me of Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 is this 
most Christians have heard it. You know, most Christians have heard it. We talk about it often. It's the one where it says, you know, uh, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. Like, very famous passage. But most pastors stop around, you know, verse 7. <laughs> Right. But listen to verse, keeping in mind what Bose is talking about with seed and intimacy and sensuality. Listen to verse 9. And they made his grave with the wicked, but with the rich at his death, because he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He, was put, he put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Isn't that interesting? Hmm. Like seed and pleasure. Right. God's seed is going to produce something, and it's going to be mighty pleasurable. Isn't that interesting? How it, it, just, it just goes over and over and over in Scripture. It's just the whole thing, just over and over and over. You know, this idea... So, so you know, it, it's interesting because uh, in our culture, is it okay to, to dis, you know, do you guys think it's okay to, I mean, do you feel in your guys' life, was it okay to talk about these things just in your circles or no, not really? You know, for me, and I've told you guys this before, because I realized as a teenager that I enjoyed my sexuality so much and it seemed like in the church there was really no place for that enjoyment, it, it kind of caused me to leave the church, meaning that the only friends I could really discuss this stuff with were my friends who didn't know God um, or my friends who kind of like were nominal Christians. You guys know what a nominal Christian is, right? Christian only in name. So like they're, they're kind of Christian, but not really. And I would talk to him about this stuff. And, you know, it's kind of like what Bo began this topic with of just like, where did you learn about your sexuality? And for me, it was with my friends, you know, and my friends were not the best source of information because where did they learn it from? When their parents. Yeah, who knows? <laughs> who knows? Most of us, it was porn. That's the truth. You know, most of us learned about sensuality, sexuality, and romance from pornography and from movies, you know, like from what you see in movies, magazines, that kind of thing. Um, and, but, it's, and that's natural. And that's natural. You know, most people, that's where you're, you're learning from. And, uh, you know, the, the major point that, you know, I'd like to make to you guys tonight is to really question is, is that source really the best source? I mean, it doesn't mean that you don't, you can't get good information from talking to your friends or, you know, movies or anything like that. But the question is, is that like, is it perfect information? Is it, is it the best guideline for your life and how you utilize your sensuality and your sexuality? You know, is that is that really going to be the place where you're going to you're going to really learn what you need to learn to to use your sexuality in a way that's beneficial? Because let's face it, um, as beautiful and as awesome as your sexuality is, it's also the place in your life where you're the most vulnerable. And because of that, it's the place in your life where you could be most severely wounded. Right. Um, most of us have been most severely wounded in our sexuality. That's just kind of how it works because of how how cool it is like the greater potential something has for being pleasurable and awesome the greater potential it has for being harmful and damaging right that's just how it works and so when we're thinking about it like what 
what God is trying to show us through his word is that, yes, sensuality, sexuality, sex, it's, it was created and designed by a God who describes himself, by the way, as being a God of pleasure, right? Which means that he designed it for pleasure, for our satisfaction, our joy, and our betterment. But he also gave us guidelines, right? He gave us ways that we're to express these things in a way that is going to be good for us and glorifying for him. Right? And when we stray outside those guidelines, we are putting ourselves in, in jeopardy, in danger, right? That's, that's not where he wants us to be. So the law, and, and I've been trying to show you guys this throughout Leviticus, the law was not given to dampen our pleasure. It was given to accelerate it, right? It was actually given to maximize it because God is trying to show us the best way, the greatest way to utilize these things, right? But that causes a lot of, that requires a lot of critical thinking on our parts, right, when we're going through these things. Because as I've told you guys before, the Bible is meditative in nature, meaning that the Bible isn't supposed to have like a book where it's like, oh, just read this book in the Bible and you'll know everything you need to know about sensuality and sex. It's, as we've been talking about, it's peppered throughout the Bible. You're supposed to look through the entire Bible and you're supposed to think about things and how it relates to your life. Right? How it relates to your relationship with God. How it relates to everything else. Right? You're supposed to think through these things and, and meditate on them. Um, and one final thing, and then I'll, I'll let you, uh, you add in. Um, when Bo is talking about the idea of sensuality and fun and, and ascribing it to God, when, when I told you guys that, um, it kind of, in my mind, when I had a negative view of sex, from a biblical perspective, it, it broke down the metaphors in the Bible when it talks about God and his sensuality towards his people. We're obviously not saying that God physically has sex with us or that God physically has a sensuality towards us. We're saying that it's a metaphor to describe God's passion, pleasure, and intimacy that he has with his people. You guys understand that? But when you don't get that, when you don't understand the fun and the joy and the awesomeness that's within your sensuality and your sexuality, what happens is those metaphors are going to be kind of turned in on itself. Yeah, you're going to look at them all in a negative way, right? You're going to look at it and go, it's going to... Right. You know, like, I've, I've had these talks with your parents in the big church, you know, and they're just, they look at me like, oh, my God, really? Like, that's really the, the, the seed thing? That's really that? You know, and I'm not saying that Jesus' sperm is in me. No, it's a metaphor. It, they're using an Old Testament word that was used in a certain way, either to talk about specific semen or the offspring of someone, his seed, you know, coming from his loins. You know, those are biblical ways to be nice, to say it's from his fluid, um, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and, and it gets picked up on in a, in a, used in a spiritual way. And, but if you do have the negative view, like a lot of even your parents probably do at times, have more negative views of sex, sexuality, and sensuality, then they won't see the beauty of those metaphors, right? They'll see the metaphor and they'll go, oh, they won't even recognize it, which a lot of people don't. Or if they do recognize it, people have said to me, older people, they're like, why does God do that? <laughs> like, why does God use that? 
Like that's, I, I, I kind of see that kind of nasty. Like that's kind of yucky, you know, but that's how people view intimacy and sex and, and sensuality. They see it really negatively. And yeah, so even though they practice it, they don't practice it in a way that they're, they're really thinking like this is meant to be pleasurable, right? This is meant to be enjoyable or even, and this is really freaky to people, or even in a way that they feel like they can invite God into their sexuality, right? Where they feel like, man, God is, God ought to be present in my sexuality. Yeah, so I'm going to pray about it. I'm, I'm going to bring God into it. Like, you know, God, you know all my members. And usually we go eyes, ears, mouth, you know, and we think of that and we kind of stop, right? Kind of like at that area, <laughs> maybe you know, maybe, yeah, maybe we skip, <laughs> skip over, you know, because because we've been told when we were little, you know, hey, don't talk about that part or don't touch yourself there. You know, or there's all kinds of things that we've been to- told when we were kids that, re- you know, education that constantly happens that, you know, we don't we don't talk about those things. You know, those are privates. And, you know, and, and there's a place for that. But thing is, is if it's not balanced out with the idea of uh, presenting your members, it says in the book of Romans, right? As instruments of righteousness, right? And, and Paul says, present your members. And he says, there's parts of your body that there's members of your body that are not seen, but it doesn't mean they're not important. He says, he says they're very important, you know? So it's like, but if you don't understand, if you don't, if you don't, a lot of people just in their brains, they just check out of their sexual reproductive parts because they have such a negative view of these things. They might go, the world's full of porn, and porn is so yucky, and da-da-da, you know, and they have these bad attitudes, and, and I always, I've always told Peter, like, porn is sex, dude, porn is sex, that's all it is, are you freaked out by that, like, there's nothing weird about sex, it's just sex, man, why are you so hung up on this thing? Right? Why are, you know, people come to us all the time like, man, porn, man, I'm struggling with porn, I'm struggling with porn, I'm struggling with porn, porn sucks, and then they get into this porn sucks thing, porn, porn this, porn that, porn, anti-porn, I'm, you know, and it's like, but thing is, is what happens is when you guys, you know, you guys know, you guys are younger generation, porn is just sex, man, that's all it is. You go on any kind of porn site, and it's people having sex and if you have a negative view of porn then guess what starts happening in your mind you start having a negative view of what sex it's easy to start getting there you know where you just go man i don't want to view porn porn's bad porn's bad porn's bad sex is bad and you get into those habits if you don't and and that can easily go those directions if you don't understand these things biblically speaking about the positives you know, I'm not saying viewing porn's great. What we're saying is that there's much better things to to view than porn, and to get your ideas about sex, sex, sexuality, and sensuality. But I am saying that a lot of people in this world get very neg- have a very negative view of the reproductive system because of the overabundance of things like pornography, where they just have an incredible negative view of this stuff. 
where it seeps in to just the idea of sex, where sex becomes synonymous with porn in their mind. So it's very hard for them to think, oh man, sex pleasurable, awesome, God, we're going to bring you in. Before we have sex, we're going to pray. And during sex, I'm going to pray too. And after sex, man, I'm going to think of God as well. You know? So me and me and Peter, one time, we had a time with a counselor, remember? I do. And we're sitting there. <laughs> we're sitting there, and, and I'm kind of sharing this with the counselor. I'm like, yeah, you know, I, I, I like pray before, during, and after. And she's looking at me like I'm nuts. She's like, well, that's weird. Really? Like, how can you, how can you be aroused thinking about God and being intimate? And I'm like, that's sad, man. I, I kind of thought that was a sad statement. Yeah, I know. Kind of a bummer. It's like, why? That's a bummer, right? We can't even bring God into this thing. You know, and, the, and Christian counselors, you know, think this is weird. Like. You know, why can't we bring God into into this beautiful action? Right. You know, I think of 1 Timothy 4, verse 4, where Paul says, you know, all the creation is good and it is made to be enjoyed when it is set apart by the word of God and by prayer. And so I think of it that way, like when we pray before we eat, we're not praying that somehow by entering into intimacy with God, your hunger goes away. You guys get that right? Like, God isn't directly satisfying my hunger, my appetite. I'm praying because as I'm satisfying my appetite with the food that God made, I'm enjoying the Creator in His creation. You guys understand that? And that's what it means to pray when you're in intimacy. What you're doing is you're thinking like, man, like, God is amazing. Like, He created. He created my wife. He created me. He created us. You know, why wouldn't you want to be thankful for those things the whole point of, of the last 15 minutes has been really seeing, seeing this as a positive, you know, and, you know, is there any other reasons you guys can think of in your own culture of why maybe you would see sex as a negative? Yeah. Okay, that's good. I'm glad you brought that up because that's, we're going to get there. Uh, in this talk, but that, so it's because the way people have used their, one of those three, it's the way people have maybe utilized those things um, towards us, right? I've always thought like, yeah, if, if, if the world like didn't have, if you had no sin, if everybody could love perfectly, then guess what? Maybe we would all be naked. Adam and Eve were naked. You know, a lot of us think of like that and we go, kind of go, that's kind of weird. You know, but just the thought of thinking that is weird might be the oddity to God. That might be weird, meaning God might think we're weird because we think that's weird. You know, because to God in his, in his initial creation, he created him with no clothes. You didn't create them clothed and said, this is Adam and Eve, man. They got some cool Levi's on, you know, and they got their vans and, man, they're jamming. Dude, they were buck, (laughs) you know, and they were happy as clams, you know, they were. So 
so something something I, I bring I bring that up just as a little caveat for our future discussions that Genesis three, because what you're talking about is like molestation. You know, I went through things when I was young where I had no clue what the heck someone was doing to me. It sure felt good, but I had no clue what was happening to me. But that, uh, but a lot of men go through that. Uh, a lot of men now more than ever are starting to confess their own, like, that being molested. Because usually it was a very shameful thing for a man to even come close to coming out and saying, like, hey, I was fondled or I, this happened to me. Um, where we've known for years, though, that many women, that this happens to a large percentage of women worldwide. So there is something with our sex, sexuality, sensuality that's a little off, that's a little skewed, that actually, that's the reason maybe we even have clothes on today. So you touch on some cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah, and I was just going to say, like, I, I, I remember taking sexual education class in seventh grade, and even that was like super negative. <laughs> you know, you think like in the secular world, they'd be like, dude, sex is awesome, you know? Because that's why I always heard like, well, first of all, like, you know, when I was about to take sex education, I was excited because I was a young, like perverted kid. And I heard that they passed out condoms and that they showed a live birth. So I was like, dude, that's awesome. And then like they passed out condoms and they showed the live birth. I was like, that's not awesome. And, and then they just like, they just talked about, they just talked about STDs the whole time. And they're just like, dude, this is what happened unplanned pregnancy is going to ruin your life. And it was like, seriously, two hours of just talking to like looking at STD pictures. And I was like, dude, like I have like even a more <laughs> negative view of sex than from the church, you know, like it was like crazy. So it's like, I, I honestly couldn't tell you guys, um, hearing anything positive about sex from any adult figure. Um, it was always from peers. It was always from friends. I don't know if you guys could relate to that, but I don't think I could ever tell you guys an experience where an adult, figure told me like dude sex is awesome you know and uh even like the shows i watched as a kid you know most of the shows that i watched had this like perspective of like you know the man's like way into it but the girl hates it and you know she kind of puts up with it because you know it's like what she has to do is the wife you know and the man's like like trying to get sex from his wife and she doesn't really want to and he like kind of it's my birthday you know and then they did it and then like it's like a bummer for both of them and i was like oh gosh like I guess this is sex, you know, like, and it just kind of bummed me out. And the weird thing was, is like I said, porn was like the only place I could go to that showed sex in like a positive light. And so it was kind of weird that where I people at least there. were like seemingly having yeah, fun. Yeah, they were at least having fun, you know, like at least <laughs> right. there was like some joy there. You know, me and Bo talk about this a lot. Like one of the monstrosities that we really don't like about pornography is it takes sex and it rips it out of all of its context. Do you guys get that? Like where it's just sex. There's no relational context. There's no intimate context. There's no sensual context. It's just, it's just sex, right? That's it. So yeah, it is just sex, but it is just sex. And that's the bad thing where it's not teaching you about, it's not teaching you about the, uh, the context of where sex should be performed and the relationships that it should be held in and, and how it should be done, right? It's not teaching you any of those things. It's just saying, this is sex. Yeah, it's more animalistic right, yeah, in its, its just, approach. It's just that. Just like, know? this is the action. This is it. Especially now, like, when I was a teenager, at least there was, like, movies. I don't even think there's movies anymore. It's just clips. So it's like, <laughs> at least the movies had, like, some context where, I mean, the context was stupid. It was like, you know, a milkman coming over or whatever. <laughs> but, like, at least there was something, you know? Like, now it's just 
scenes, you know, sex scene, sex scene, sex scene, sex scene. You can click on them and you can download them and, mm-hmm. and there's no context whatsoever. And it's totally like, it's like, it's moving us from uh, away from understanding that sex, like uh, for, for me and my wife, like our intimacy doesn't begin and end in the bedroom. Do you guys get that right? Like it, it permeates our sensuality, like permeates our whole marriage. And it's very beautiful and it's very awesome. There's a there's an amazing context that actually makes our sensuality and sexuality more pleasurable and more amazing, right? But, like, if I just thought of it as just, like, yeah, sex begins and ends at the bedroom, then I think our sex life would kind of suck, you know? Yeah, it would be more like an animalistic uh, kind of approach where you, you'd be in a relationship and you really maybe don't get along, right. but you guys, you know, have, quote, good intimacy, you know, when we've seen that in the movies, like, well, we don't like each other, but we have good sex, you know, and it's kind of that animalistic kind of idea um, where where the action of sex is separated from the the intimate, just fun of being in a relationship with someone. See, you. Got, I mean, let me put it to you really bluntly. OK, I can I can have good sex with a lot of people. I know that's weird coming from a pastor, but anybody could. Sure, why not? I mean, you can go and, I guess, I don't know where you'd go into, son, but I mean, <laughs> or maybe go online or something and, and find someone and have great, hot, whatever they call it, you know, and, and that kind of thing. You know, and it separates, it, it, it's not about relational things at all, right? It's just about the physical pleasure that you're getting from the sexual acts that you want done to yourself you know um that's what it is and what would the world be like if that is that was what it was about because that's sometimes what you get that's what it's about right i mean you know i mean we've all been to the store and you look at the the girls mags right and what do they all say on them they all say something like that, right? How to have hot, you know, whatevers. <laughs> you know what I mean? Everything's like that, man. It's just, it's so, it's so driven that way. Um, so what, what does the world look like if we detach those three things, you know, um, you know, from God and from just uh, the general relationship that we can have with someone and we just use those terms sex sexuality and sensuality just in the sack you know have you guys ever kind of done that in your brain like what would the world be like if we just if we just were animals like peter's talking about we just did what animals did and do you know would would, would we be more happier I guess that's my point. Would we be more stoked as a world? We'd be like, man, this is how we make the world do it. You know, like, you know, now you guys are young and you got you to gotta understand in the United States that's already been tried, <laughs> you know, because we had the sexual revolution in the 60s where that was the theme. The theme was is you can be happy through simply just meeting Joe Blow on the side of the road and going, hey, let's have blank. And he goes, Sure. And that's how it was. I mean, if you talk to anybody back in the 60s and the sexual revolution and what was going on in the United States, man, a lot of people having crazy sex. I mean, they didn't know each other and they were just having sex and they thought this was going to make them happy. 
but did it make everything happy? Did the did the United States convert to it and just go, yeah, let's let's do this? No, it, there was a pendulum swing, even in the United States, where all of a sudden people went, nah, I don't think this is working out, man. I'm I'm having to see psycho- psychiatrists now and psychologists, and I need counseling, and um, you know, everybody was was having these repercussions. You know, so so the point is, is you know, have you ever thought of your sexuality, or maybe you have thought of your sexuality apart from God? And what we need to do is start seeing it in tune with God in a positive way. You know, in a real positive vibe. You know, with God. And that maybe a lot of the anxiety that we all feel about sexuality is because we pull it away from a real positive view of God. Um, and so we develop these, you know, a lot of, ang- there's a lot of anxiety. Would you say there's a lot of anxiety when it comes to things of sexuality in our culture? Absolutely, right? Um, extreme ex- anxiety. You know, so anyway. Yeah, I just wanted to say like one more thing and then, We'll pray and leave it open for questions. We have yeah, like or maybe you guys have some thoughts. Yeah, or thoughts, you know, anything you guys want to share. <clears throat> um, but yeah, like the last thing I wanted to point out is that when you really understand this, for me, it was like a, it was an amazing moment in my relationship with God because I realized that when you, when all this shame about sex kind of turns inward and you're looking at these metaphors about God and his people, like I said, it, it kind of like destroys the metaphor and it takes away its beauty because the purpose of these metaphors is to show you just how passionate God is about you. You know, how unbelievably intimate he is with you and how, how deeply and affectionate he is with his people. And when you start to kind of grab that, when you start to read passages like Ezekiel 16, which shows God looking at his people as if his people is a, is a virgin and he's coming over and he's clothing her and he's doting on her and he's being intimate with her. And it's like, Man, if you don't understand this, you'll read that passage and you'll kind of cringe. You'll be like, ugh, you know, like, I don't like that. You know, I like to keep God at, like, a comfortable distance. But when you start understanding this, you'll be like, wow, that's, like, that's very precious. You know, that God comes into my life and he's, and he's intimate with me and he loves me and he delights in me. And there's pleasure there in my walk with God. I realize now, like, when I look back on my relationship with God, there was very little passion in my walk with God, and there was almost no pleasure in my walk with God. And that's a bummer, you know. But once, once these things started to click in my life, there was a, there's so much passion and zeal and intimacy with God that I was missing out on. 